I'm Hannah. I'm Sheena. And I'm Lori. And this is Cemetery Row. Welcome, welcome, and to start off, yes, rocky start today, rocky start, (laughs) yes, Um, but our baby Sheena has some stuff that she's going to pimp for us. Yeah, because I don't know that we have any other news, so I will tell whatever news I have. Um, So if you are coming to Memphis in the month of October, please come by Elmwood Cemetery. Yay. We are doing, we, I mean, I say like I'm heading it up. I'm very much not. Um, The cemetery is hosting its annual costume tour called Soul of the City the first weekend in August, August, October. Um, And it is going to focus on the 1878 yellow fever epidemic in Memphis that was very, very devastating. Um, We did an episode on it. The episode two. Yeah, mass graves. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, um. There are a lot of amazing stories that came out of that. Um, so it's it's a really great tour. Um, the actors do a great job. And then you have people like me who take you from actor to actor. And we'll tell you lots of fun stories. Um, so yeah, come to that. And then at the end of the month, the weekend of Halloween, uh, join me for my true crime tour of Elmwood Cemetery. Um I will be sharing some stories you've already heard, like Jasper Smith and um, Alma Thied, but then there are some other ones, like the Tamale Murders, and gosh, what else? Alice and Frida, which I have not covered on here yet, and lots of other ones, so it's a fun time to be had by all. And um, it won't be a thousand degrees this time. Thank no, goodness. it'll Thank actually goodness. be nice. <laughs> I may come to that one, Sheena. You should. <laughs> it'll be fun. And so, um, Hannah will be personally pleased if you are a Cemetery Row fan or listener and you go to this, hold up a sign that says, we love you, Sheena. I'd appreciate that. <laughs> yes, that would be <laughs> rad. Um, I'm also helping another um, tour company in Memphis start up their own true crime tour. I have no idea when that's going to start, but I've at least done some research for them and maybe i'll be a tour guide who knows but that i'll have details mm-hmm. on that coming at some point anyway go sheena Woo-hoo. sheena getting shit done yeah i'm trying things I'm trying i like to talk about dead people so. we do hey we have a yeah. whole thing mm-hmm. yeah um and this week we are discussing spontaneous memorials so before we go into everyone's individual stories um i was going to explain what those are for those listeners who may not know what they are um and i will say this if you're interested in this topic there have been a lot of um really interesting studies and research into these Mm -hmm. and, and um how they help folks grieve which i think is really important so spontaneous memorial memorialization this is from encyclopedia.com yes is a rapid public response to publicized unexpected and violent deaths typically involving the uh, accumulation of individual mementos to create a shrine at the death site so this is when you think of some major um tragedy like the columbine high school shooting in colorado the oklahoma city bombing or um where princess diana died that's where you'll see people and they'll be bringing up 
flowers and candles and you know if maybe a child has died they'll bring teddy bears it's like you know different things like that um and like I said there's been a lot of studies into it but I thought these four points were interesting like there's no rules of inclusion or exclusion Um, anyone can participate whether you knew the deceased or not uh timing is uh flexible like a lot of these come up as soon as the death happens but like in Oklahoma City for example there were still you know memorials left up years to come can I tell my story about that if you want to Okay, so um, me and a friend in middle school, I think we were in fifth or sixth grade. Uh, It happened in fifth grade. So this was sixth grade. So this was on the one year anniversary of the bombing. She lived with her grandparents and her grandparents were going to take a trip out to Oklahoma City to go camping and to see the bomb site. And so I went with them um, because they were like my second family. And we I had brought a teddy bear because before they built the permanent memorial that's there they just had chairs for every person that died in the Oklahoma City bombing um and I must have been 11 or 12 um so we went out there and we me and Chris her name was Christy we both brought teddy bears and I was tying my teddy bear to the fence um around the site and I looked over and there was this man kind of standing there and I was like hey (laughs) you know I'm a child what up (laughs) and um you know my friend's grandma was like Johnny on the spot she's like who are you (laughs) You who who is this man talking to my my child for all intents and purposes and he was a photographer from the Denver Post um so he asked me and uh her Christy and her grandparents like where we were from why we came all the way out from Arkansas he asked me, you know, why I brought a bear, what I thought about it. And I don't remember exactly what I said, because it's been a lifetime ago. But yeah, my picture was in the Denver Post Aww. when I was 11 or 12. Aww. So, yeah. So as you said, you know, that was a year later. Yeah. Um, and people still leave um, items there. Um, there's also no expected ritual behavior at these types of memorials. Some people cry, some people curse, some are rubbernecking. Um, and there's sort of, there's a lot of, of everything there really anger, you know, Mm -hmm. um, and the things that people leave behind don't also follow a single theme. You may have flowers, you may have religious symbols, you may have candles, teddy bears like whatever I think speaks to that person who passed or or the people who passed I think is sort of the the theme but it's very loose and then the focus of the uh, memorialization varies Mm -hmm. um there may be people there who knew that individual who died and then there's maybe some people who didn't know them but they're there for them and then others are are there really to grieve sort of the social constructs that led to this person's passing um and it's also these usually show up where the death itself occurred rather than in a site reserved for the dead so you may see this on the side of a road where someone had a car wreck you may see this at a school because the school whatever right um things like that instead of at a cemetery and for princess die they did one at kensington palace where she lived yeah 
So with that in mind, Hannah, you are going first, correct? All right. Yes, ma'am. Let me get my mouse moving. Okay. And you guys, I actually wrote a script instead of ad-libbing this time. So you know (laughs) I'm serious. Yes. Okay. The death of a person affects the deceased's friends, family, coworkers, and other people involved in their lives. Some deaths, though, reverberate into history and bring into sharp relief a larger issue affecting communities and even the world at large. Michael Brown of Ferguson, Missouri, did not wake up on the morning of August 9th, 2014, intending to die and certainly not intending to become the face of long simmering tension between American police and communities of color. But in a much debated and litigated interaction, Michael Brown, age 18, died on Canfield Drive in a St. Louis suburbs from gunshot wounds from a white cop. We're not going to litigate it. It's been litigated. Everyone has an opinion on it. I don't care what yours is. We're, it, it happened and it sucked. We're moving on. <laughs> and, and I'm going to say, as my mother was a cop, I still believe ACAB. Primarily because I was raised by a cop. So <laughs> just putting that out there. The killing set off a firestorm across the country with protests breaking out across the nation and even the world. Some of these incidents would turn violent. I don't know how many times I heard about the quick trip that got burned down. Don't care about the quick trip. Right. Nevertheless, the cat was out of the bag and the conversation wasn't going away. The spot of his death became a make- scene of a makeshift memorial. Teddy bears, flowers, signs, balloons, framed photos, and other items collected at the site of the un- young, young man's untimely, untimely death. And that's really the point here, is regardless of what you think about Michael Brown, and if I hear he was no angel one more time in regards God to somebody it. who died due to police violence, I'm going to become violent. Exactly. He was 18 and that's too young for anybody. Right. The memorial would be removed many times by officials who would say they were cleaning the streets or they were fixing the streets. It would also be set on fire by unknown vandals because the world sucks. Mm -hmm. But each time items would reappear from a community unwilling to let the memory of this moment disappear. The spot is now marked by a permanent plaque with an engraving of Michael's graduation photo. His dates of birth and death are included in the following words. I would like the memory of Michael Brown to be a happy one. He left an afterglow of smiles when life was done. He leaves an echo whispering softly down the ways of happy and loving times and bright and sunny days. He'd like the tears of those who grieve to dry before the sun of happy memories that he left behind when life was done. Which is, I thought, very, yeah. very nice. And is, yeah. focuses more on his life than his death, which I appreciate. Right. Yet there were still more, and I will be saying their names. This is not, by any means, an exhaustive list. Nor is it current, but these were the ones between him and 2020. Eric Gardner, Laquan McDonald, Tamir Rice, who was 12, by the way, Walter Scott, Freddie Gray, Philando Castile, Jordan Edwards, Lawana Phillips, Crystal Danielle Ragland, 
Latasha Nicole Walton, I'm sorry, Latasha Nicole Walton, April Webster, and of course, Brianna Taylor. And then 2020 happened. And while we were in the midst of a pandemic that was killing people across the globe, crashing economies and causing Great Depression level societal disruption, another name would be added to this inglorious list. In Minneapolis, on May 25th, George Floyd was killed after an officer kneeled on his neck for roughly nine and a half minutes as George cried for help and begged for his mother. George's death penalty crime? Possibly passing a fake 20. Nobody knows where that fake 20 is, by the way. So nobody even knows if it, that actually happened. Mm-hmm. And, and to be clear, the white, the, the cop was white. Yes. 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 As, and, and they caught it on video. Yes. Yeah. Thank God for that girl. Yes. yes. And the young lady thank that did won a Pulitzer this year. And I'm oh, wow. Fantastic. Yeah. I'm extremely proud of her and very happy. Well, happy. It was, of course, a strange, but I can't she, imagine how hard that was to witness. Yes. I'm so glad I, she had the, the wherewithal. Yes, absolutely. To do that. Absolutely. The country, already clinging to its last bit of sanity, erupted. A cooped up, traumatized populace sick to death of each other after four years of polarizing political rhetoric and chaotic leadership took to the streets en masse. Oh, and did I mention it's an election year? Yeah. Go figure. (laughs) Target stores were ransacked. A police department was set on fire. Neo-Nazis roamed the streets. Oh, I have enjoyed these Nazis part two. That's been a lot of fun. (laughs) Armored police used weapons of war on children and nuns. The president of the United States sought to use military forces on civilian protesters so that he could take a photo op at a church. Never forget that that happened because it wasn't wasn't the um, the Bible in the picture upside down or something like that. It was. It was. And um, an audio book I listened to all in one weekend. Don't do that to yourself for the love of God. Um, it's called I Alone Can Fix It. Um, it's by two, I believe they're Washington Post reporters. It's very good. It's mm-hmm. very, very good. It was just a lot. <laughs> I imagine Because so. if even just a fraction of what they reported is true, everybody should be in The Hague. Everybody should be convicted of crimes. Mm-hmm. Everybody. But apparently um, the Bible was a last minute edition. And Ivanka <laughs> carried it in her purse for him. Of course she until did. Until he got to the church. Nobody knows where the Bible came from. So it's not his. God knows he ain't read one. <laughs> Never. I said what I said. But <laughs> I'm going to let that simmer. Fuck y'all. Sit in those feelings. <laughs> Sit in those feelings. But from the fire and tear gas emerged something powerful. Murals. Beautiful works featuring George's image and words of protest like I Can't Breathe and Black Lives Matter cropped up not just in his hometown of Minneapolis, but as far away as Syria, Palestine, and Spain. And Syria and Palestine are having their own problems Mm -hmm. with certain ethnicities getting crushed simply because they are of that ethnicity. 
The murals did more than just commemorate the life and death of one man, but also express the values of equality and justice. But why murals? There's no clear reason why murals were the world's way of coping with the tragedy, whether it was out of work artists looking for ways to express themselves or a way to take back to the streets, which had been off limits to all but the most essential or obstinate (laughs) as its own revolution. Either way, the actions met the moment and from the dark tragedy of racial injustice, not just in Minnesota and the United States, but across the world were bred bright flashes of color, beauty, and honor. And we're going to post pictures. They're absolutely beautiful. Mm -hmm. Absolutely gorgeous. Even the city of Chicago got in on it and created an art program where plywood boards that had been put up during the unrest in the city were refashioned into artworks promoting the importance of voting. The city won a prize at Cannes this year for this art display. As our beloved MCR told us, it ain't about all the friends you made, but the graffiti they write on your grave. The tombstones we leave behind tell the world we were here. Our lives mattered. Our deaths mattered. As we decide in an often acrimonious way what parts of our history deserve the honor of public observance and how best we can do that, the visual reminders of the lives and deaths that brought us here, whether it's Emmett Till's bullet-ridden plaques or statues of the indigenous people rather than the colonizers who killed them, tell outsiders who we are and what we value. Statues don't tell history, but they certainly tell what we value. Mm-hmm. 100%. And yep. so we needed to decide, Southerners, <laughs> who do you value? Confederates? Or the people they stomped and went into enslave and spent the century after the Civil War terrorizing. Uh, it depends on who you ask, unfortunately. Uh-huh. And not to mention that most of those statues were erected in the 1930s, but we won't go there. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yep. Get me started. <laughs> so mine is not as long as. I usually, I didn't ramble as much because I wanted to make this very clean, very efficient, very, um, but I think even riots are a form of, of public grief. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Of saying this happened, this is fucked. And the fact that it was just, you know, one young kid in Missouri and another older man in Minneapolis inauspicious beginnings both of them but they ended up changing the world Mm -hmm. and i'm not going to say that oh it was worth it because that to me it never is no um but it is good to see something come out of it yeah yeah good job well good job hannah yay yeah i said yay at the end of that guys i'm trying to lift the mood i'm doing my best (laughs) i'm doing my best yeah Okay, well, it is my turn next. Uh, Today, I'm going to be talking a little bit about ghost bikes, a worldwide phenomenon where bikes are painted white and placed at locations where cyclists have died. But before I get started on that, I want to share a little personal story that I felt correlated directly with this topic. Um, that kind of came to me while I was researching it. Uh, To do that, I need to go back to the early 2000s when I was a high school student in Olive Branch, Mississippi. So picture it. 
steal <laughs> from you, Sheena. Olive Branch, Mississippi, 2003. Oh, God. <laughs> um, I didn't have a ton of friends in high school, go figure, but I, val- <laughs> but I valued the ones I had. One of those was a boy named Robbie. He played soccer and sat next to me in Spanish class, and he was always pretty friendly, so we were pals. Um, I actually introduced him to his high school girlfriend, who was one of my best friends at the time, got them set up. And so after that, anytime I hung out with this particular friend, Robbie was there. So I became better friends with Robbie after he and this friend began dating. It was a twofer. Right, (laughs) right. I am no longer friends with her, which is why I'm not saying her name. Oh. (laughs) Uh, So... Robbie actually introduced me to popular rock bands at the time. So in the early 2000s, I was really into pop and country music. A horse girl? Into A horse country. girl. And he introduced me to rock music and I kind of fell in love with it. Um, he took me to my first concert on Beale Street, which was Shinedown. And <laughs> say what you want about <laughs> Shinedown's current music. But back in the 2000s, lead singer Brent Smith could get it and (laughs) he still has one of the most incredible voices the range on that man is just i i I can't get over it anyway that's a side story uh so so what does my high school friend have to do with ghost bikes well unfortunately it doesn't end well um just about a month or two ago robbie was riding a bike in a rural town in mississippi when he was thrown from his bike after unleashed dogs ran in front of him Robbie, who was just 35, died a few days later at the Regional Medical Center in Memphis. Level one one trauma, as I mentioned in our last episode. Um, It was a shock to hear. I hadn't really talked to him in years. We went to Ole Miss together. He he still lived in Oxford. He married a girl from Ole Miss. Um, You know, he had a Facebook page, but didn't really, wasn't active on it. But so it didn't really keep in touch, but it was completely shocking to find out what, what a freak accident it was for him to, and then to find out that it was dogs that ran him off the road. Yeah. Uh, there are no leash laws in Lafayette County, Lafayette. How do we say it? Lafayette. It's yes. (laughs) (laughs) There are no leash laws there. And so the dogs were loose. Um, so that got me thinking how many people die every year from bike accidents? You know, I, you read about them here and there, how many people die so according to the national safety council preventable deaths uh, let me say that again preventable deaths from bike accidents have increased 34 percent over the last 10 years yikes and increased six percent in 2019 alone jesus and in 2019 there were more than 1,000 bicycle deaths across america oy vey And I couldn't find like the official statistics for 2020, uh, but many articles I looked at said there were upwards of 700 bike deaths. And that is during the COVID-19 pandemic when there were fewer cars on the road. Right. Mm -hmm. But fewer cars on the road meant people could drive more recklessly. Mm, And they did. Absolutely. So now back to ghost bikes. How did these come about? The first recorded ghost bike in the United States was placed in St. Louis in 2003. Patrick Vander Tuen 
witnessed a cyclist hit by a car and as a means to raise awareness to drivers of the need to be mindful of bike riders, he painted an old bike white and added a sign that read, cyclist struck here. He placed the bike at the location where the woman had been struck. And as the weeks went on, he noticed drivers slowing as they passed the memorial. In an interview with St. Louis Today in 2003, he said, quote, passing it every day, I could see the reaction from the drivers. People were slowing down in this residential neighborhood, and that amazed me, end quote. No, yeah. So that's how it kind of all got started. Right. Um, And so now I'm going to share a couple of stories that I came across. And at the end of it, I'm probably going to get on a little bit of a soapbox. And as I'm sharing these, these two main stories, you'll probably understand why uh, we're based- all feeling particularly right, ranty right. tonight so based, hold on to your butts yes based <laughs> on the information i provide you you're going to say well this doesn't make much sense it seems a little uneven <laughs> so we're going to start with one of the very first bikes that was installed in washington dc that memorialized alice swanson a 22 year old amherst college graduate who was run over by a garbage truck while riding her bike to work in oh. july Jesus. And I think this, her story, there's a lot of information on this, but the fact that she, I graduated in May, 2008, um, she was going to work in DC, you know, fresh out of college, probably couldn't afford a car. Um, I know she, she was vegan and very into, um, environmental, environmental stuff. So, you know, that could have been a reason too. Um, she had studied history in college. She was fluent in Spanish and Arabic. Uh, while she was in college, she founded a chapter of the Progressive Student Alliance and oh. taught English to African refugees in Cairo. Oh, she completed multiple internships, including one for Representative James P. McGovern, the Council Elders of Monimbo in Nicaragua, and the Middle East Institute. Damn. Over overachiever much. Right. Like who <laughs> yeah. Amherst Good for her. That's right. overachievers she, university. Exactly. She had started her career at the International Research and Exchanges Board shortly before her death. Um, so a ghost bike was chained at the intersection where she was killed, and the white bike bore messages like, We love you, Alice, and you made the best cookies. It, it stood there for more than a year and it I have a picture of this one that we'll post in our um, socials and it's a beautiful bike. It's, it's got flowers on it. It's just a very nice memorial. Um, it was taken down after a year because local businesses complained to the mayor. Uh, of course they did. But in retaliation to what they viewed as a form of grave robbing, yeah. a group of bike enthusiasts that did not necessarily include people that knew her. Right. Uh, they collected and painted 22 white bicycles, which represented each year of her life, oh. and attached them to every light pole at the intersection where she was killed. I love malicious compliance. Yes. Um, I can't find any updates from, since uh, this was like September of 2009 when this happened. Um, I can't find any pictures of the the new bikes that were added uh articles did note that one of the bikes was attached by a chain and it was put where the original bike stood 
So I don't know if it's still there or not. Couldn't find anything else about it. A lot of the websites and Facebook pages for ghost bikes aren't really active. Um, so, but yeah, they, they, they took it down and people were like, that's no, that's not going to happen. And they put 22 more in its place. Hell yes. So moving Mm -hmm. on to New York city, uh, the first ghost bike reached New York city in 2005. Um, and just overall, since this campaign kind of launched in 2003, there are bikes in more than 220 locations around the world. Um, so New York came a few years after it started, um, in 2005, the city's first bike was placed by a street art collective known as virtual resistance. One of their members had ridden by the scene of an accident where a woman had been hit by a truck while riding her bike. The incident haunted him and thus the New York city ghost bike project began. The first bike the group built was for Liz Padilla, a legal aid lawyer who was on her way to work um, and hit the side of a moving ice cream truck. She fell under the rear wheels and was killed. And I apologize if you hear barking in the background. I don't know what's going on downstairs. Um, But but yes. So he has something to say. so the group found an old bike. They spray painted it white and cut a stencil onto a scrap of wood that read Liz Padilla, 28 years old, killed by truck, June 9th, 2005, rest in peace. Mm. So that, that was kind of the first one. And then from then on, it just kept growing and growing because people saw this first one and they would, they would contact these artists and ask, well, a friend of mine or my cousin or someone I care about died in a bike accident. Will you do one from that for them? That's very moving to see, you know, if you're out and about driving and they're, you know, it's like, what? Yeah. Yes. Because people don't think to be Mm -hmm. looking for cyclists as of 2020 there were more than 250 ghost bikes scattered throughout new york city um, including that of salvador kyrez rodriguez a 50 year old immigrant from mexico city who was killed in Mm -hmm. september of 2020 rodriguez was a competitive cyclist who was forced to utilize his skill to make deliveries after the pandemic hit because his hours were cut at his restaurant job yep According to reports, he rode through a red light and crashed into the side of a bus. Oh, he slid under the bus and was dragged for about a block. Was this in New York? You said this was New York. Yes. The bus driver didn't even realize he had fucking hit someone until he returned to his station. Oh, no. Oh, yes. So one of my main sources this week is an editorial from Bicycling Magazine written by Jesse Singer, who was a part of the group that built the very first ghost bike in New York. I highly recommend reading it. Um, It'll be linked in our show notes because, again, a lot of the general information I got from her article. And she brought up several great points, especially regarding how bike deaths are reported in the media. In a number of instances, blame seems to be placed on the victim. Honestly, Mm -hmm. pretty much every circumstance, the blame is placed on the victim. In in reports of Rodriguez's death, he, quote, blew through a red light and crashed into the side of a southbound Q18 bus. 
Another food delivery worker reportedly, quote, failed to stop at a stop sign colliding with the 2020 Honda CRV. End quote. And so I'm not saying that the cyclist isn't ever at fault in these incidents. Obviously, there's going to be times where they make a mistake or, yeah. you know, they're not. It happens. Right. Yeah. But it's just so important that drivers be aware that there are people that travel by bike and to be looking for them. And while I'm on that soapbox, look for people on motorcycles too. Yes. As my dad told me from the time I started getting my driver's permit as the operator of the motor vehicle, it is your job to be on the lookout for pedestrians, bicyclists, and motorcycles. He always called it the law of tonnage applies. The more tonnage you're in control of, the more you need to be paying attention to. I couldn't have said it better myself. Thank you, Hannah's dad. Hannah's Um, dad's got some pretty good wisdom, I got to (laughs) say. Well, so a good friend of mine that I grew up showing horses with, her husband was in a very horrible motorcycle accident last year, and he's he's in a wheelchair. He's confined to a wheelchair. We'll probably never be able to ride his motorcycle again. And that was his passion was working on his bikes and he was not at fault. Somebody wasn't watching and pulled out in front of him. Well, Well, we just had a thing here in Chicago where an off duty cop (laughs) ran over and this little boy had was at a stop sign. Yeah, it was a child. I'm sorry, Lori. (laughs) I I'll have to look up how old he was, but he was no more than 10 um, and dragged him for about a block. Mm. Yeah, there was um, the year that we there that I graduated college. Not y'all. Well, you, Hannah. <laughs> <Me>. um, <laughs> I was there. I was the baby of the group. Yeah. Um, I had a cousin that was killed. He was riding his motorcycle and someone care like hauling a trailer behind them. Like one of those, not a mm-hmm. trailer like mm-hmm. a house, but a trailer like a, you know, that you put things on. Right. Yeah. Like you put a lawnmower on or something. Yes. Like that. Um, empty, of course, because you know, why, why, why? But anyway, um, he had gotten into the other lane and the trailer was in that other lane too. Oh. I just, that's a big pet peeve of mine is these uh-huh. guys who drive around with those empty trailers behind their trucks. Why, mm-hmm. I, why, why? Okay. Getting so, yes, awful please. gas mileage. Yeah. But yeah, look out for motorcyclists, please. Because Well, and the neighborhood yeah. I live in right now, currently I live in, um, not going to blow up my spot, but I live on the north side um, and lots of bicyclists, tons mm-hmm. of them. Um, and so much that I joked with my parents of like when I lived in Mississippi, if you saw somebody on a bicycle, it's because they had too many DUIs and they needed yeah. to, mm-hmm. right. to be on. They needed a bicycle. And I've seen older men with brown paper bags on their bicycle. <laughs> yep. I'm like, yeah. honey, honey, choices, choices. Um, so when I got here, I'm like, y'all can't all have DUIs. What's going on here? And I'm like, oh no, you're doing this for fun. Yeah. Oh, but now I'm sitting here thinking maybe I should get a bike, but this is scaring me. So maybe I won't. Yeah. You've got got to be careful. Please wear a helmet. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. And all that's the law in Chicago is that you do have to have a helmet. So, yeah, I mean, Uh, it's unfortunate like in Robbie's case I don't know if he was wearing a helmet or not I imagine not um but you know had he been wearing a helmet 
I, I'm not going to get into it because I don't know the situation. Right. I mean, yeah. you but, can't, but there you are, there are circumstances where if you had worn a helmet, you could have survived. Yes. Absolutely. Getting hit by getting run over by a garbage truck. It doesn't matter how many. Helmets yeah. You no, have, you're, you're, but yeah, you're for sure. Uh, be as safe as possible. Um, one thing is abundantly clear when it comes to the demographics of these victims, they are dish disproportionately people of color who were killed while on their way to or from work or while utilizing the only affordable form of transportation they had for their job. Now, with millions of people out of work due to the pandemic, many people have stopped trying to find jobs because the cost of transportation is so high for Mm -hmm. them. And even used cars are expensive now. It's not like you can Mm -hmm. go, you know, my dad, before he went into the Navy, he wholesaled used cars and he could fix them. So that's how I got my first car, which is mm-hmm. a $200 beater that he bought from a dude he wholesaled with. But that's not the reality anymore. You can't get a $200 beater anymore. That doesn't exist. No, especially now. Right. There are no cars because there are no chips to put in the cars. Exactly. Um, so it's, it's also unfortunate that the media doesn't seem to report on these deaths with more than a blurb or two. In fact, a lot of these groups that do the ghost bikes, they don't have a name of the person. They just read an article where a cyclist was killed mm. at the corner of this street and that street, and they put a bike there and just cyclists killed here. Yeah. Um, and this isn't a slight against her, but as I able to find out so much information about Alice Swanson and multiple articles, yeah. um, but only one or two articles with a paragraph or two about Rodriguez and absolutely no pictures. Mm-hmm. When, when is the life of a person going to have the same value to the media as the death of a cisgender white person? A and person we say of- this as people who were trained in media. <laughs> right. And this this is as a cisgender white person. Right. I, I don't understand why people cannot value or the media doesn't value the life of an immigrant who uh, spent his entire life chasing the American dream. He learned mm-hmm. the language. He worked his tail off. Why his life isn't as valuable as you know, a white girl from Boston who was tragically killed in the same manner. It doesn't make sense. It's frustrating. I spent four years in college studying journalism. Mm -hmm. I do not understand why they're limited to one or two sentences. Um, and, and, And again, that's across the board for anybody who dies in a bicycle accident. It's very rare that you'll get more information about the person themselves. The case with Robbie, all I, I, somebody sent me a message on Facebook and told me there were no articles about it. Um, I, I wound up finding an article on hottytotty.com, which is a publication out of Oxford where mm-hmm. we all went to school that uh, talked about how um, local groups had raised like $26,000 for his widow. Oh, wow. That's where I got the information about what actually happened. Because before that, all I knew was that he had fallen off his bike. Um, right. So it's a never ending cycle that about the lives that are not valued. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, when you look through the list of the names of the people who have been killed in bike accidents and the cities they live, New Orleans, New York, um, DC, LA, it's 
people that can't afford regular transportation and that's how they work. They're delivery drivers and they ride a bike and people in cars, as you said, Hannah, they don't realize how much power they have and they think they own the road and it's bullshit and it's frustrating. And these bikes are just a way to hopefully educate people and make them realize what happens when you're not on the lookout and when you're not aware of your surroundings when you're driving a you know several ton metal box with an engine in it yeah and you have to wonder too how many of these folks were undocumented so they couldn't get a driver's license even if they wanted to yeah that's a good point um and i'm lucky to live in a, a city with some of the best public transportation in the world but you know, back in Biloxi, where I came from, we had mm-hmm. the Coast Transit Authority. One of their buses ran into my car once, by the way. Oh, wow. <laughs> they had to buy me a new car. Um, so that's why I can never make the joke. What if I get hit by a bus? Because I have gotten <laughs> hit by a bus. Um, but I mean, that's the thing is like there was very little tr- public transportation. And contrary to what you may hear on certain news networks, the undocumented immigrants who are here are fucking working mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. they are work and they're paying taxes yeah. so i don't want to hear that anymore either but if a bicycle is the only way they have to get to work look i'm from mexican stock we'll get to work however the fuck we need mm-hmm. to get to work absolutely yeah. if there's 20 of us in a geo metro we'll figure it out yeah I have laid across the laps of people just to get where we were going. (laughs) It's not safe. Please Mm -hmm. don't do that. (laughs) But I mean, there's so many people who, and again, where I kind of made that joke about people with DUIs, again, people with DUIs still need to get to work. Mm -hmm. You know, they got court fees. They got to pay. I mean, you know, young kids. I mean, I bicycled, I lived out in the boonies so I could bicycle wherever I wanted, but there was still, you know, dangers of like tractors not seeing us and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, so, you know, and like, again, here in Chicago, where it was a literal child. Oh, man. Yeah. Yep. But anyway, so that's my, I my love feel that. about the ghost bikes. Good I job, love that. Lord. That's such a Thank good. You. And I love that it's not necessarily... I mean, it is the community because like bicyclists are a community. Mm-hmm. They're very serious about it. Oh, yes. Um, which is why I find bicycle shops very intimidating and I really want to bicycle, <laughs> yes. but I'm also very scared. So yeah. if you're a bicycle person, email us and let us know what to do and how to how to find a good bike. Um, <laughs> but I mean, but that's just that, you know, they're a community and they're standing, even if they didn't know the person and even if they didn't have a name, they're saying, hey. They were mm-hmm. here and mm-hmm. somebody, you know, they died. Their right. lives mattered. Yeah. Yeah, yes. absolutely. Okay. I love that, Laura right. Lou. Thank you. All right, Sheena. And okay. how dare you forget how to pronounce Lafayette? I, no, I know. <laughs> well, it's like it's supposed to be pronounced Lafayette. <laughs> Lafayette. But Oxford is special. Yeah. In Mississippi, it's like uh, I listened to an episode. Oh, this was a while back of uh, Murder Squad. And um, it was Soche, Mississippi. Yeah. And, <laughs> and Billy love- Jensen called it sau- Saucier. Or, yeah. yeah uh-huh. saucier. So sure. It's like, yeah. yeah. I was like, well, that's my other favorite is Tupelo. 
Oh. Well, I like it too when they say Biloxi. Oh my God. I'm I'll like, say. okay, I don't know where you got that well, from. Yeah, but no, okay. no, so my little town, it's Bihalia. Pretty Bihalia. easy. Bihalia. They go Bihalia. I know. Oh Lord. No, no. it's Bihalia. Like it's Bihalia. Hell yeah. <laughs> and speaking of Tupelo. Yes. Oh Lord. Yeah. Nice segue, Hannah. Yeah. So, okay. I have a tangent before I get started. Let's do um, it. We are just tangent people tonight. Okay. Yes. Tangent corner. So I'm going to talk about, okay, let me back up a little bit. <laughs> As someone who loves pop culture and loves music, loves movies, I get really, really attached to celebrities and musicians and all this. And I, I understand where people say, you know, don't hold them up to this high standard. And, and why are you sad that they died and all that? But I'm like, but you burn know, your idols. A, yeah. 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 And I get that, that, you know, but at the same time, I'm also like, well, they made an impact on my life. So exactly. I've always been sort of fascinated in how fans react to their favorite celebrities death. And I saw that firsthand working at Graceland in Memphis um, I'm no longer employed there, but I was there for a while. It was fun, but it isn't for better or worse over. So today I'm going to talk about the <laughs> death of Elvis Presley and not just what happened when he passed, but then what happened, what is, continues to happen today, because I, I find it all fascinating. It is extremely um, fascinating. And for legal reasons, the opinions and statements heretofore are not official graceland opinions or statements these are sheena's and sheena's alone don't sue us yeah please don't (laughs) i'm i'm doing this out of love because i really i am an elvis fan and 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 when i say that i don't want people coming for me yelling at me that he was racist or he was this he was that uh he wasn't I mean, he was in the way of all white people who are raised in a white supremacist society are. Yep. And therefore, I mean, I am racist. We are all right. Ra- we Everyone has a it. little bit of it. Right. And, and we're all hopefully recognizing that, challenging that within ourselves and changing our behaviors and our thoughts. And all, that's what I'm trying to do. And I hope, exactly. mm-hmm. you know, I think y'all are doing that too. I think it's something that you just so naturally think and and you're like wait a minute like where did that come from and then mm-hmm. you're like god i was raised in this crap mm-hmm. it's something that as white people we somehow have trouble seeing and oh it's either way <laughs> oh boy we don't like it either <laughs> no, 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 no. so anyway i'm saying all that to say yes i mean i'm sure he had some racist stuff because he was a a man growing up in kind of Jim Crow era I guess Jim Crow, Jim Crow era yes. I would think so yeah it was I mean, Jim Crow was in 35 the, oh yeah a man yeah. born a man born in Tupelo Mississippi in 1935 right. is going to have some tendencies that yes. in this day and age would be inappropriate yes and I will say this there is an, an especially ugly quote that people love to dredge up and say Elvis said it he never did there is literally no source for it it has been disproven over and over and in fact um, as someone who researched his life deeply <laughs> for all the years mm-hmm. I was there, I never found an ounce of racism in that man. And I'm talking like aggressive, saying something ugly, doing something ugly. In fact, I found um, receipts and proof that he did good things for his friends and family and people in his life who were people of color. 
like when Jackie Wilson had a stroke, he paid his hospital bills or not stroke. It's a heart attack. Um, he paid for the funeral expenses of Ivory Joe Hunter because he was a big fan of his. So like he did a lot too, for like the city of Memphis, he gave thousands of dollars every year to needy families and needy kids. And I mean, he's part of the reason why we have St. Jude. He right. just, was he perfect? None of us are baby. Right. But if you're looking for, if you're trying to look back into music's history and find someone to poop on, there are way worse celebrities to roast than Elvis. Cough, cough, Errol Flynn. Mm-hmm. And the conversation way. about whether or not like his music was appropriated appropriation of black folks music is for another time <laughs> it is. Yeah. and i will say this i've always thought it was fascinating that his black contemporaries appreciated him and they said so in multiple interviews mm-hmm. because he he kind of opened the door for them because he at least made it okay to listen to black folks music so therefore white people could then listen to these black artists and it seemed to be a little better that is a whole conversation for another time right i'm not saying the man was perfect but i think it's really fascinating that the fact that he had this massive influence on pop culture society as a whole and 44 years after his passing which was literally earlier this week Mm -hmm. uh, people still line up by the thousands to honor him at the annual candlelight vigil at graceland Um, he made an impact and that Im- and that impact still impacts his fans today. If you say so, the king, everyone knows who you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A phrase he did not like. He would either oh. say the king was either Fats Domino or he would oh. say it was Jesus. One of the oh, other. Oh, <laughs> well, he is a Mississippi boy. He's a Mississippi boy. So I'm going to super, super briefly talk about his life just so you sort of, I think a lot of people these days don't know what he did and and why he is sort of considered a legend so it's super brief there is so much more to it um but i do want to get to the more interesting aspects of of how fans show their appreciation for him so elvis was born in tupelo in 1935 his parents gladys and vernon were very very poor so he was very much always a kid from the wrong side of the tracks um his classmates beat him up and I don't know that they beat him up like they cut his guitar strings and stuff like they were mean to him bunch of dicks he was a poor kid and he he lived near the black sections of town and he would actually go to like black gospel shows and stuff so like they were just like you're poor white trash and they just Mm -hmm. you know they were mean to him so at the age of 13 the Presley family moves to Memphis and very long story short, uh, his music career took off when he was 19 um, on the back of hits like That's All Right. He toured with the Louisiana Hayride, which is sort of like a touring Grand Ole Opry. And he really became famous after appearing on Stage Show. And then he appeared appeared on the Milton Berle, Steve Allen, Steve Allen, and Ed Sullivan shows. I, I miss mean, those shows, the old reviews, variety you, shows. Yes, yes I love them. So good. Um, and I mean, if you want to talk about someone who's like, you know, because they were trying to say at this time, like he was so terrible and he was corrupting the teenagers. Like he made Ed Sullivan show allow him to sing a gospel song on there. Like oh, wow. they were like, no, you can't sing a gospel song on here. And he's like, I'm gonna. So well, I, that's what his, I always thought that was kind of funny. His Grammy is in gospel, yeah. Yeah, his three Grammys. Um, 
yeah and that's all all of the grammys he won were all only for his gospel recordings which are i think the best like if you're going to listen to elvis and i'm not someone who's like amazingly religious and listens to gospel music all the time but his is good his mm-hmm. is my favorite version it's, of oh holy night it's he he the man has a beautiful voice it's gorgeous um and next he took on Hollywood. His film career was taking off when he was drafted into the army. So he literally leaves Hollywood, leaves the music industry to serve in Germany for a couple of years. Um, upon his discharge from the army, he goes back to his um, career of being, you know, this amazing, you know, singer, um, actor, all this. Um, in total, he made 31 feature films between Damn. 56 and 69. I have. I seen didn't them realize all. it was that many. I've seen them all. Oh, and wow. if you go, oh god, there's some doozies in and there. Some <laughs> of them are great, and some of them no. But see, that's the thing to us. What I was going to say, Elvis was not, especially the movies he made later in the 60s. Elvis wasn't into him, but his manager kind of made him. Yeah, that's another also, podcast too. For a whole other story. <laughs> Um, he also made two concert documentaries in the 70s i highly recommend those um because so many of those later films weren't that great his popularity was beginning to wane in the late 60s but then he made his famous 68 comeback special and this is the i'm sure surely to god everyone has seen elvis the sequin jumpsuit no this is black leather oh Oh, yes the black leather one he, he oh god He's beautiful. I, I will say that. That is, it's so sexy. It's raw. It's unplugged. Some of it is unplugged. And that is what then sort of inspired MTV's unplugged and that sort of thing. So it's very, very good. He spent, go ahead. And any merch you see where it looks like it's a mugshot, it's his enlistment photo. Yes, 100%. 100%. Um, and Anyway, he spent a lot of the 70s touring. He also did his Vegas residencies there, which really sort of set the standard for celebrities doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, this is where you do see jumpsuit Elvis. I love jumpsuit Elvis. <laughs> I do too. I love those jumpsuits are incredible. They're amazing. Yeah. They're literally works of art and they're so heavy. I so bet. Heavy. Oh my God. Like, because this was like 60s, uh, like seams. This what they were fucking around. This shit. Yeah. This, this was very, very heavy. And, and speaking of that, he did two shows a night in Vegas. Damn. One at eight, one at midnight in these heavy, heavy jumpsuits. He was really very active. He always was. He played football. He played racquetball. He played, he did karate. That's where you see mm-hmm. his karate moves on stage. No but wonder he, he's always sweating his ass off in them pictures. <laughs> yeah. It's sexy. <laughs> <laughs> but he did have some health issues. He had yeah. done some yo-yo dieting because of course with the movies, Don't you, we get all? That, you get right. that with everything. Mm-hmm. Um, he, not speaking as a Graceland employee here whatsoever, <laughs> or former Graceland employee. I think he was depressed. I think he maybe had some mental oh, yeah. health issues. And I'm not saying that is a bad thing. I have them out the butt. Yes. So, yes. Um, Don't we all? His mother had passed away in the late 50s. And yeah. then he and his wife Priscilla had divorced in the early 70s. I think he just, there was a lot on him and a lot yeah. of Absolutely. Yeah. That's a lot. And he was, yes, over-medicated by doctors and, and all of that. Either way, I say all this to say Elvis died at his home called Graceland in Memphis on August 16th, 1977. His cause of death was listed as a heart attack. Now, I want to talk briefly about Graceland. So while Elvis 
made movies in Hollywood and performed all over the country and did lots of TV shows in New York. He never moved from Memphis. I mean, he had a house in like Palm Springs, but Graceland was his home. Mm-hmm. And Graceland, if you've never been there, um, it sits far back from the road up on a hill. Mm-hmm. And at the road, which is now called Elvis Presley Boulevard, um, there is like a stone gate with, um, or fence with these two really pretty um, musical gates. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're travel cloths, I believe. Yeah. And they've got like an outline of him yeah. and guitars and stuff. But the house is, is a pretty good ways back. Like when you're up there on the hill, like you, yeah. you know, the road is down there, but you kind of don't almost notice it in some ways. It's, it's really nice up there. Um, but anyway, but while, while Elvis was alive, fans would gather down there at that stone fence because they might see Elvis walk out, you know, on the front porch or mm-hmm. riding his horses. He loved horses. Um, he would greet fans down there and sign autographs for them, that sort of thing. Um, and to wrap up <laughs> sort of why he is important he is the world's best-selling solo music artist of all time he has mm-hmm. the most charted songs on billboard the most charting albums on billboards 200 he was posthumously awarded the presidential medal of freedom in 2018 he is the only celebrity to have two stamps made in his honor and 43, 44, I'm sorry, years after his passing, as I said earlier, fans still visit Graceland. It is the second most visited home in the United States. Graceland is where our story begins. Picture it, Graceland, <laughs> August 16th, 1977. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. August to Memphis. The heat. The heat. We, oh, yeah, we get to that. So Elvis was pronounced dead at 3.30 in the afternoon of August 16th at Baptist Memorial Hospital. And as news leaked out to the world, fans were devastated and they flocked Mm -hmm. to Graceland. And they were, as I said earlier, so used to sort of gathering at the gates of Graceland that it just kind of made sense that they would go there. As many as 80,000 fans gathered at the mansion's gates and at the cemetery where he was going to be buried. Oh, my goodness. The National Guard was called to help control the crowd. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's it. It's hot in August. So it's you have to be careful. (laughs) Yes. Um, It's not comfortable to be in. And um, in the early morning hours of the 17th, about 2,000 fans were at the Graceland Gates for an all-night vigil. So he had passed that afternoon, and fans were just staying there all night, right? Mm. Um, I read a newspaper report at the time that said entire families with children sat on makeshift seats, coolers, and soft drink cases waiting for the somber procession to leave Graceland Mansion for the cemetery where Presley's mother is buried. Mm. I think they were kind of waiting on all the processions to happen but this the actual funeral itself wouldn't take place till the 18th but on the morning of the 17th before dawn um these as i said these fans are standing out on elvis presley boulevard in front of the mansion and unfortunately a drunk driver swerved into and then out of the crowd killing two elvis fans and seriously injuring another i didn't know about that yeah yeah it's something that is never talked about Mm -hmm. and it's not like that is the most (sighs) memphis goddamn thing it's so bad and it's one of those things i think elvis would have been 
devastated. Oh, totally. yeah. Absolutely. And of course, there was no Graceland, quote unquote, corporate entity. You know right. what I mean? Like, right. they weren't doing tours or anything. It wasn't like, what do you do with that? Like, you know. Right. Anyway, so the girls that were killed were friends and roommates, Marie Alice Hovarder. I hope I'm saying that right. She went by Alice and Juanita Johnson. They were both 19. They were both from Louisiana. Mm. 17 year old Tammy Bader of Missouri was sent to the hospital, Um, but she survived. She's good for her. The suspect was 18 year old Tratice Wheeler. I hope I'm saying that right. He was from Memphis. He was arrested and charged with two counts of second degree murder and several other charges. Mm-hmm. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I think he died two years ago. Oh. I found an obit for him that matched the timelines, but how long was, to- did he go to prison? Well, I didn't find much on him afterwards. Okay. He had just gotten out of prison for something else. Oh, so, okay. And I'm like, sweet P, you're 18. Please don't. Oh, but he had just got out of prison. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, babe, please don't. Do choices. Yeah. Choices. Um, But anyway, I wanted to talk uh, briefly about the girls that were killed. Alice was born in 1958. She was, um, from what I've read, and I can't believe this is true, but truth is stranger than fiction <laughs> alice was left an orphan after her parents were killed by a drunk driver in 65 oh, oh my god she and her siblings lived at louisiana baptist children's home in monroe till she graduated high school in 76 and she was then a student at northeast louisiana university in monroe and she's buried at riverview cemetery in monroe um she has a lovely monument that her siblings have put up that said having alice for a sister was a wonderful gift from god which will be Aww. ours forever oh And then I don't have as much information on Juanita. I just know that she was born in 58 in New Orleans. Uh, She's buried at Roselawn Memorial Gardens in Calhoun, Louisiana. She has a beautiful monument. Um, It includes a baby photo of her and then a photo of her that was probably more recent to her passing. Uh, The monument includes a poem and a Bible verse. And um, the poem reads in part, I just thought this was so pretty. It made me so sad. We'll miss her. Oh, we'll miss her while this, while on this earth we stay, but thank you, Lord. She's not dead. She has only gone away. Oh, um, but a couple more details about Elvis's, um, I want to talk more about the memorials that were left for him mm-hmm. and sort of his burial and some, and funeral. So Graceland opened its doors for a public visitation on August 17th. Mourners included everyone from teenage fans to um, his Viva Las Vegas co-star and Margaret, mm. James Brown, Bill Murray. And then I think this is fascinating. Caroline Kennedy, who was covering it for what? Rolling Stone magazine. Oh, wow. Are you kidding me? And Good I'm like, I'm her. dying to read this story. I've got to find it online. McDuff? <laughs> I don't know what he just did. Uh, so Elvis's funeral took place the next day, August 18th at Graceland. It was closed to the public, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but mourners, this is where you're still getting those thousands of mourners. They're both mm-hmm. at Graceland and at the cemetery. Um, initially, Elvis was buried at Forest Hill Cemetery in Memphis in a mausoleum beside his mother, Gladys, who died in 58. Uh, on August 17th, the day after Elvis's death, set the record for the most flowers sold in the U.S. in a single day. Wow. Associated Press reporter Mark Noller, who covered the funeral, said Forest Hill Cemetery was, quote, a sea of flowers. 
And we will have a picture of this. It's amazing. So this is his quote too. I remember a spokesperson for FTD, the Flowers by Wire service, telling us they have more orders that day for Elvis than ever before in their history. We were told that 3,116 flower or floral arrangements had been delivered. Damn. Oh, God. <laughs> By afternoon, Memphis had run out of flowers and they were trying to find other flowers that could be shipped in. Of course, that's pre internet. That florist so. was so tired. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I read too um, that on August 19th, or as a new story that ran on August 19th, said on the 18th, the smell of over 2,000 floral arrangements at the cemetery was overwhelming. I think and that, that was kind of nice, though. I kind of oh. think so. Um, but then you could hear thousands of fans wailing and sobbing at the gate. <laughs> um, Elvis and his mother were eventually reburied at Graceland's Meditation Garden. Elvis had installed this Meditation Garden in the 60s. It's a very lovely part mm -hmm. it's sort of off to the side yeah it's, it's very nice quiet it's really pretty uh so now he is buried there with his mother his father vernon his grandmother minnie may and the most recent burial was um last year um his oh, grandson yeah. benjamin keo was buried there mm -hmm. and there is also a cenotaph for elvis's twin brother jesse who was stillborn yeah that's what i remembered he had a twin he did yeah that's what I, why i personally think that elvis and his mother had such a close relationship was once you Jessie, lose a child yeah jesse mm -hmm. was born first and oh, i don't wow. think she knew she had twins there was no way to know full, back then yeah, yeah it was a full 45 minutes before elvis was delivered oh, so i think i think they were deep in mourning. yeah, yeah. I mean, and i'm like i get it like that's your child you thought i mean your child I was dead can't and now here's this through, other one which right i doesn't mean and, replace but and Lori can probably attest to this better but the emotions that you go through in labor to have the yeah. a dead baby. Yeah, I can't imagine. Mm -hmm. I and then no. 45 minutes later, here's this other baby. Right. Yeah. Just, just think of it this way. So the hormones that your body releases when you're pregnant with one baby and then add that onto two. And that yeah. doesn't, that doesn't go away, right? Like it right. takes months for you to get back to, which well, is so why bond. Yeah. Well, 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 yeah. You know, just like, I mean, when Bonnie was born, I would go cry because she was sleeping in her bassinet. <laughs> you know, right, you know yeah. and to, to imagine being pregnant and having twins so double the hormones right and having lose what like she hmm. and being yeah. dirt poor in the 30s she right. had no way of knowing that what no. the health of her child was going to be much right. less that there was more than one yeah and i mean if you've ever been to elvis's birthplace in tupelo it's a two-room shack i mean it's right that's it it's so tiny compared to graceland which a lot of people love to be like, oh my God, Graceland's not even a mansion. Well, good for you. It is to me. Um, right. Poor yeah. too, so well, and we couldn't even tell nice. the gender of babies until the eighties. Yeah, like my mom so. didn't know with my brother, but she could tell with me. Yeah. And that was just 81 and 84. Yeah. yeah so no. yeah. So Jesse is still buried in Tupelo, but they do have a marker for him. Good for him. Yeah. So Elvis's monument includes some words from his father, Vernon. Um, and this kind of makes me want to cry a little bit so uh -oh. it reads in part he was admired this is only a part of it he was admired not only as an entertainer but as the greatest or as a great 
as the great humanitarian that he was for his generosity and his kind feelings for his fellow man. And he became a living legend in his own time, earning the love or the respect and love of millions. God saw that he needed some rest and called him home to be with Mm. him. Mm. So as I said, love him or hate him, the man made an impact and it's been 44 years since he died and fans from all over the globe still go to Graceland. Yeah. That was one of my favorite things was to go walk across the street at the plaza and hear all the different accents and, Mm -hmm. and languages. It, I mean, every single day it was mind blowing. Um, and if and you've yeah. never even heard an Elvis song, if you see the pompadour and the LeMay jacket, you, you know, know exactly who they're talking yeah. about. And that's cultural relevance. It really is. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, so people still go to Graceland on the reg. Um, not only can you leave a note for Elvis on that stone wall, like people will sign their names or write. I wrote my name Elvis. on there. Yeah, I've done it several times myself. <laughs> <laughs> And then for at least one week in August, Graceland holds its annual Elvis week where thousands of fans gather for concerts, panels, parties, and other special events held to honor Elvis. Um, It is truly amazing too, because fans still send those flowers by the hundreds to Graceland during Elvis week. It's a huge deal for them. A lot of them are fan clubs, which one thing I appreciate about Elvis fan clubs is they almost all of them I think all of them really um have a uh charitable giving aspect to them the way Elvis did they Mm -hmm. all raise money for like St. Jude or for Special Olympics or something like that like they're they're big on giving back just like Elvis did good um but they will make these or they will have created these huge memorials and they'll go up to Graceland and then if they can't be there for Elvis week like they'll email they would email us at Graceland and be like hey can you take a picture for me like I want to see it like it's really sweet so cute um and then um they they also would send flowers for the loved ones of Elvis who were buried there like they would leave flowers for Gladys or for They'd leave baby toys for Jesse. Um, I did see some stuff for Benjamin the past year. So so it's very nice. Um, The cornerstone event of Elvis week is candlelight vigil. Fans line up and walk up the hill to the meditation garden to pay the respects to Elvis. They have a little candle that they hold and they play Elvis music. Um, They do block off Elvis Presley Boulevard. um, So it is safe for you to attend. Yes. (laughs) Um, they, they do make sure it is very safe. That's for sure. And what I loved seeing was just before candlelight visual got started fans, as they're lining up in the boulevard, they would make these little shrines to Elvis. And it was so cool. Like some of them painted the road. Some of them drew chalk on the road. Some set up candles. Some displays were small. Some were massive. They were all creative and all different. And that I just, I always love to walk around and see those and be like, oh my God, can I take a picture of your little shrine? Like, I just thought it was cool. Um, and then members of Elvis fan clubs from around the world uh, serve as honor guard during the uh, candlelight vigil and they stand all night long and sort of, oh, yeah, it's bless. really cool. Um, and the candlelight vigil, I mean, as I said, it's been 44 years since the man Mm -hmm. died on an off year, like a non-anniversary year, things start to seriously, they'll start the event and say like eight 30, people start probably going up the hill about nine, nine 30 easily. You'll have it start dying off by midnight. 
but on major anniversary years, like 40, 30, whatever. Yeah. The milestones. Yeah. Yeah. It'll go into the early morning of the hours. Like I've heard, and I never saw it myself. I think the latest I stayed and I think it was 2017. So it was the 40th. I think I left at like three 31 morning, oh. but they have had to stop the vigil at 9am the next morning for regular Graceland tours to resume the next day. Like, wow. it, Gosh, and that damn. amazes me. The man's been mm-hmm. dead this long. Mm-hmm. Um, but fans also gather in January to celebrate Elvis's birthday. They have a bunch of events at Graceland. Um, and there are fans who gather at the gates of Graceland at midnight, January 8th, his birthday, to sing happy birthday. Not bad yeah. for a little boy from Tupelo. I'm no. telling it, it amazes me. The dedication of Elvis fans. It's incredible. And as someone who say what you want to about him i know he was not a great guy but like when michael jackson passed like it blew my mind because i'm like i did not think he was capable of dying like it same was someone, with prince yeah. when, prince tom petty there are yeah. so many people that were in my life i listened to them so much and then they pass and you're like oh my god the they're human this yeah yeah and this I, I have this quote from a fan this is from august of 77 I will end on this quote. Yes. I swear I'm done, y'all. I know it's okay. I took forever. Um, but I'm like, this is the same This is stuff. your area of expertise. Yes. Kind of How is. many years did you spend? We would lose Sheena uh, for like she... weeks at a time. Yes. Yeah. She in can't January even and in August. How long, how long I started in 14 and then the pandemic yeah. uh, killed my career there in May of 2020. Six, so. six years? Ish. Yeah. 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 Um, so to end on this quote, like I said, this is from like the day after he passed, but this is the same stuff I would hear from fans as we would celebrate Elvis week. Mm-hmm. Diane Alexis of Niagara Falls, um, said she planned to go to Graceland every year, um, after he passed, which it didn't open to the public till I think 82. Mm-hmm. Her quote is, although he's gone, he's still in our hearts. He was so great. No one thought he could die. Yeah. yeah and see i i relate to that so much because i i see i feel that same way about celebrities that i yeah. look up to i mean yeah. i felt that way about prince and michael yeah. jackson and some of these people like you know i'm almost thankful that like betty davis who's like my ultimate star i was not aware of her when she passed in 89 right. so i'm like i wouldn't have survived that today and like when willie nelson goes like oh, oh god like, don't just put me away <laughs> like i will not right. be able to function like al green you know mm-hmm. like some of yeah. these people I'm like, i will not be able to survive oh god janet jackson don't even <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, <my> her. <laughs> i love her so much y'all i adore that woman anyway so that's the sad story of Elvis. I just, I, I, that's one thing I will continue to be amazed by is man, the fans love Elvis. They are rad. God, it's, it's, it's insane. And a lot of them come from Europe. It's oh just, my yeah. God. so many from Germany, so mm-hmm. many from uh, Japan. Japan was huge. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah. Oh, the yeah. UK was huge. Brazil, a lot from Brazil, um, Canada, of course, but yeah, it was, it blew my mind you would just hear so many accents and so many Mm -hmm. uh languages and you know they all speak elvis though i mean if you mention jailhouse rock or something buddy they know it and they Mm -hmm. know the words they know the lines and and one of my fascinating to me and one of my favorite like horniest songs of all time is black velvet velvet oh yeah (gasps) 
Oh, Lord. And then <laughs> watch the 1956 black him in the black velvet doing his show. It is in the 68 special. No, his 1956 performance. Remember where he's oh, in the black you're velvet talking about shirt? Tupelo. Yeah. That is Blue Velvet, made for him by Natalie Woods Taylor. Oh, look at you, boo. I know way too much, y'all. That's my party trick. I used to joke to people and be like, I can literally connect Elvis back to anything. I've done so much research. And then two, like, I... If you want to know about a true crime, even though my mother beats me (laughs) at true crime (laughs) trivia, my mother is... It blo- I She's will email the queen. her literally the this queen. week. I emailed her about a story. There's the same story I told y'all about. I emailed it to her and I was like, oh my God, this is nuts. Have you ever heard of this? She's like, yes. Yeah, bitch. Like she gets been? so annoyed. Like <laughs> when it's a, a rerun of Dateline or 48 hours or 2020, she's like, I've seen this. <laughs> That's great. See, see, I'm the queen of worthless movie trivia. One of the, our HR manager was talking to the secretary down the hall about some movie that was filmed in South Carolina that yeah uh Julia Roberts was in and she's like I can't think of the name of it it was on the water my best go, friend's wedding no sleeping oh. with the enemy oh and I shouted oh, I it out from that da- I shouted it from down the hall and they're like how did you know that I said <laughs> I pulled it out of my ass <laughs> and see I know serial killer trivia so yes. when I still worked at the hospital I can't remember how we got on this topic with me and serial killers. It doesn't take much, (laughs) Um, but we were sitting there and I was like, yeah, did you know John Wayne Gacy's last words were kiss my ass? Yes. That (laughs) is one of my favorite bits of true crime trivia. I don't know why. And my middle-aged coworkers just looking at me like, "Uh uh-huh. Well, and see, (laughs) I I just listened to a short story, but it is a part of a bigger collection. Um, by Harold Schechter uh, um, called the Pied Piper. It was yeah. about that guy <gasps> Schmitty that I just oh, downloaded that so gross. onto my Kindle. You psychic, you. Okay, we need to talk off mic about some of those other collections. Okay, <laughs> we some are amazing. Some will leave you with nightmares. Either way, he this was a, a serial or yeah, serial killer yeah. who was obsessed with Elvis and he wanted to look like Elvis. Yeah, he was so uglier than homemade sin. Like baby, mm. I don't care what prosthetic you put on your nose you're not gonna look like elvis and then there is two sisters who i don't think they've ever caught their killer that they went to see elvis movies in the theater yes and they, and they found went them missing frozen on the yeah. side of the road yes. and elvis even like called told them to them. go home to your yeah. parents yeah like if, if y'all ran away hey go back home or hey you know people look out for him so it's that's another wild story there's there are a million ways to connect elvis to a lot of things yeah but yeah oh, that uh wow. that that velvet shirt that is from <laughs> natalie woods taylor because oh, okay. i think he was dressed i think he was dating natalie wood at the time good for her <laughs> <laughs> so yeah um but that, yeah that's black it. But velvet it, even if it's incorrect is a horny horny song <laughs> it is but yeah it's um i think it's a dark blue but it's hard to tell because those those pictures are from 56 those are from the tupelo homecoming concert he did yeah oh you want to know another fun fact about that concert tammy wynette is in the front row (gasps) oh wow i love it because where's tammy wynette from from tremont which is the next county over from tupelo i mean that's in it i knew about that because okay fun story the first tape tape kids cassette tape that i ever bought with my own money was the charlie daniels band million mile reflection we have discussed that i am from 
Midwestern white trash that moved <laughs> to Arkansas and became Arkansas white trash. <laughs> and I own this and I'm going to need y'all to get off my dick about it. Okay. However, Charlie Daniels band was a fan. I was a big fan as an eight year old and I yeah. bought it with my birthday money. Aww. And um, one of the songs on there, um, I think it's called It's All Right Now. Mm. Um, he talks about Elvis and then of course he talks about Leonard Skinner because those two bands were very close and we have discussed Skinner. Yeah, um, we have. we're going to make our way through the entire outlaw country. Don't y'all worry <laughs> about it. Um, but yeah, so that's how I really was like, okay, Elvis. And my grandma was like, sit down, we're going to have an education. So my grand was into it. Yeah, it was funny because, I mean, being from Pontotoc, which is right next door, which Elvis's mother was from Pontotoc. Um, so she's like one of the other famous, few famous people from <laughs> Pontotoc. But I never knew he was from Tupelo. And his music was just everywhere growing up. Right. Like my mom listened to him. I clogged to GI Blues as a teenager. Like <laughs> I had a cute little um, extremely short skirt and it was like a little military outfit. That I that is in. Too it cute. was very cute. Either way, I didn't realize he was from Tupelo until I was like 10. And then I'm like, Mama, get out. He is not from Tupelo. <laughs> and that's when she took me to the birthplace. And then we went to Graceland. So I have pictures right. of me and my mama and my grandmother, all of us at the old plaza at Graceland. So and that's sweet. But yeah, I mean, he's just, I don't know. When you're from a certain time frame, he's kind of everywhere. Yeah, I get right. how you may not hear him now as say a kid that's like, Lori's kids age like mm -hmm. you know I don't I don't know how many people our age are playing his music but some are right. for sure because my friend in New York State has I believe her son is 14 or 15 and he is obsessed with Elvis okay I think when you were still at Graceland I had you send me some stuff probably him and yeah. if there are any kids who are obsessed with Elvis and want to be a little Elvis um Graceland has for the past couple of years had a performing arts camp for kids who want to learn about acting, singing, dancing, all that kind of stuff. Um, and it's really good. And those kids, you want to talk about out knowing me and out knowing most Elvis fans on Elvis facts, those kids knew everything. And I'm like, my God, you've not, you weren't here for 9-11. Like you were born <laughs> How do years you know ago. This How do you know this stuff from 60 years ago? But these kids are smart. So yeah, more power to them. They but yeah, that so internet we didn't have. True, very true. We yeah. walk around singing the wrong song lyrics for 20 years and mm -hmm. have an existential crisis when we figured it out. Yep. All right. So All right, our ladies, next, let's wrap it up. Yeah. Our next episode is Old Hollywood. Ooh. Ooh. We're going to talk about hoes. Well, I'm going to talk about, <laughs> well, <hoes>. Hannah will. <laughs> Lori so just wants to be one for hers. <laughs> Lori's is Han wholesome. Hannah is very on brand. Yes. 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 And Lori, but where can they find us if they want to come talk to us? Find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Cemetery Row Pod, or you can send us a Gmail email to <laughs> Cemetery Row Pod at gmail.com. Lori is not paid by Google. No. <laughs> um, we do have a special guest 
episode coming out soon. We do not know when, just because it's going to be a fun bonus episode. So that's just going to be a surprise. And yeah. there's um, a lot of planning that's still in flux for that. So yeah. And, um, you know, um, we hope but it's going to be exciting and we we're excited. excited. So we hope you're excited. Yeah. So some of us that. are really excited. <laughs> you shut up. <laughs> shut up. Anyway. Um, All right. All right. So that is our episode for this week. Um, Go leave us a review. Tell your friends about us and be careful on your bikes and look out for motorcyclists. And go to Sheena's true crime tour. Please. Yes. Bye.